السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد فإن أصدق الحديث كتاب الله وخير الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار أما بعد After praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we seek his aid we seek his assistance and his forgiveness and we seek refuge with Allah from the evils of our souls and from the evils of our actions as Muslims we believe that whomsoever Allah guides there is none to misguide and whomsoever Allah leaves to stray then there is none to guide save Allah I bear witness that none has a right to be worshipped except Allah alone without any partners and I bear witness that Muhammad bin Abdullah bin Abdul Muttalib bin Hashim al-Qurashi is his final messenger and his slave is his abd, his slave and his rasul and to proceed the best speech is the speech of Allah the best of guidance and examples is the guidance and example of our messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and that the worst of all affairs in the religion are the newly invented matters for every newly invented matter in the religion is an innovation, a bid'ah. Every innovation is misguidance, and every misguidance is in the hellfire. I welcome you, my brothers and sisters, and I thank you for welcoming me at this masjid, here at Masjid al-Sunnah, in the city of Bradford, West Yorkshire, in the United Kingdom. Today, Wednesday the 19th of October, 2022, which coincides with the 23rd of Rabiul Awwal in, in the year 1444 after the Hijrah. My brothers and sisters, I wish to begin by mentioning to you a tremendous narration that has been reported by Imam Malik ibn Anas, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, the great Imam who died in the year. 179 after the Hijrah. In his Muwatta from Abu Hazim bin Dinar, who said that Abu Idris al Khawlani said that once on an occasion I entered the masjid in Damascus and I happened to catch sight, or I happened to catch sight of a young man who was smiling and he had bright teeth. And a number of people had gathered around him. And when, they ever, and when they differed over anything, they would refer to him. And they would accept his saying in the matter that they differed over. So I inquired after him. And I was told, that is Mu'ad bin Jabal. So the next day, I left out for the noon prayer and I found that he had already preceded me and that he was praying. I found that he was praying. So I waited for him to finish the prayer. Then I approached him from in front of him and I greeted him with salam. And then I said to him, Wallahi. Inni la uhibbuka Allah. He said, Wallahi, by Allah, I love you, Lillah, for the sake of Allah. So he replied, Allah, meaning, by Allah, he said, Allah, by Allah. He asked me again, by Allah. I responded, by Allah, 
Then he asked me for the third time, by Allah. So I responded to him, by Allah. Then he took hold of my upper garment. And then he pulled me into himself. And he said, Abshir. He said, receive glad tidings. فَإِنِّي سَمِعْتُ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهِ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ يَقُولُ He said, indeed, I heard Allah's Messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم say that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, وَجَبَتْ مُحَبَّتِي لِلْمُتَهَابِّينَ That I heard Allah's Messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم say that indeed Allah has said the Blessed and the Most High that my love has become incumbent upon those who love each other. Those who love each other fiya for my sake. Wamutajalisina fiya. And that they sit amongst each other for my sake. Walmutazawirina fiya. And that they visit each other for my sake. وَالْمُتَبَاذِلِينَ And that they spend upon each other. And they give to each other for my sake. My brothers and sisters, these are the ones whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves. These are the ones who love each other for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah is the one who guided us. Allah is the one who saved us. Mankind were living in darkness, in jahiliyyah. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brought them to the light. The messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was sent to a people. As the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said in a hadith reported by Imam Muslim in his sahih that indeed Allah looked upon all of the people of the earth the Arab and the non-Arab and he hated all of them except for a few remnants from the people of the book. This was the state of the people in Jahiliyyah. And Allah brought their hearts together. Allah brought them together and brought their hearts together. So they loved each other and they visited each other and they spent upon each other and they sat with each other for Allah's sake. Jafar ibn Abi Talib was the cousin of Allah's Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and he was from those who migrated from Mecca to Abyssinia at the first migration the Hijratul Ula the first Hijra was to Abyssinia where the Muslims fled with their religion from the persecution of Ahlul Mecca and the Quraysh of Mecca so the Prophet وسلم, commanded them to go to Abyssinia and seek protection from a Najashi, the king of Abyssinia. He said, indeed, there is a king there who does not wrong anyone. Go to him. So when he reached, he spoke to Najashi, Ja'far bin Abi Talib radiallahu anhu. He said to him, we were a people of ignorance. Worshipping idols. We would eat dead animals. We would commit abominations. We would sever the ties of kinship. We would treat the neighbors badly. And the strong among us devoured the weak. This was the jahiliyyah that they lived in. Hatred, animosity, idolatry. Paganism, shirk, hatred between themselves and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brought their hearts together to the extent 
that they will love each other for the sake of Allah, visit each other for the sake of Allah, sit with each other for the sake of Allah, spend upon each other for the sake of Allah. This is what Islam brought to the people. Tawheed and righteous actions and iman and harmony and ulfa and muhabba. It was these people whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guided and made them the best of mankind. And that's why Hudayfa radiallahu anhu said, كان الناس يسألون رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم عن الخير وكنت أسأله عن الشر. He said that the people used to ask the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم about the good things. He said, as for me, I used to ask him about the evil مخافةً and يدركني out of fear. That it may reach me, that the evil may come to me. فَقُلْتُ يَا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ So I said, O oh, Messenger of Allah, إِنَّ كُنَّ فِي جَاهِلِيَةٍ وَشَرٍ فَجَاءَنَ اللَّهُ بِهَذَا الْخَيْرِ He said, O oh, Messenger of Allah, Indeed, we were in a time of jahiliyyah and evil. And Allah brought to us this good. So is there any evil after this good? قَالَ نَعْمٍ he said, yes. This is the reality of that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed us with. He brought us out of the darkness into the light. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brought us from hatred, mutual hatred and despisement, racism and tribalism, sectarianism and greed, Allah brought us to the beauty of Islam. And it is this khair, this Islam, this sunnah of Allah's Messenger وسلم, that Allah has blessed us with, this bounty that you could never enumerate, that brought love between our hearts, affection, unity after we hated one another. Allah brought our hearts together. Upon what? Upon Hablullah. Upon the rope of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it is this affair of Islam, mutual love, affection, visiting each other, loving each other for the sake of Allah, that earns us the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As in the narration of Abu Idris al-Khawlani, regarding Mu'adh ibn Jabal, Radiallahu anhu. And it is just as the as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mentioned in his book. In kuntum tuhibbu kul in kuntum tuhibbuna Allah fattabi'uni. Yuhbibkum Allah wa yuqfir lakum dhunubakum. This is the love of Allah. Say to them, O Prophet, if you truly love Allah, then follow me. Then Allah will love you and he will forgive you your sins. You want to earn the love of Allah? Follow Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Follow the deen that Allah's Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was sent with. Allah made this the best ummah amongst all of the nations. This is the best ummah amongst the ummah. And there are those who are deserving of that description. Meaning that you are the best nation raised up for mankind. They are those who love each other. Not only that, but their love for each other is for Allah. And when they hate, they hate for Allah. And when they give, they give for Allah. And when they take, they take for Allah. Manahabba lillah wa abghada lillah وَأَعْطَى لِلَّهِ وَمَنَعَ لِلَّهِ فَقَدْ اسْتَكْمَلَ الْإِيمَانِ The one who loves for Allah, the one who hates for Allah, the one who gives for Allah, the one who withholds for Allah, has perfected Iman. This is what brings about the perfection of Iman 
that the whole of our life revolves around the commandments of Allah and following the sunnah of Allah's messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. It is a reality that which Ja'far ibn Abi Talib radiallahu anhu said, we were living in jahiliyyah, worshipping idols. The strong would oppress the weak. They would commit all types of abominations, fornication, drinking, gambling, lying, fighting, racism, mutual hatred that would last from generation into the next generation. Then Allah brought them this khayr. فَجَاءَنَ Allah بِهَذَا الْخَيْرِ Then Allah brought us this khayr, meaning this Islam. Then Allah commanded us to hold united. We have discovered the truth and that is Islam and the sunnah. وَعَتَسِمُوا بِهَبْلِ اللَّهِ جَمِيعًا وَلَا تَفَرَّقُوا وَاذْكُرُوا نِعْمَةَ اللَّهِ عَلَيْكُمْ إِذْ كُنْتُمْ عَأَدَاءً فَأَلَّفَ بَيْنَ قَلُوبِكُمْ فَأَسْبَحْتُمْ بِنِعْمَتِهِ إِخْوَانًا And hold fast all of you together to the rope of Allah and do not split amongst yourselves. Don't divide. Remember the bounty of Allah upon you when you were enemies one to another. You would hate each other because of the color of his skin or because of the tribe that he belonged to. You would try to harm each other, take from each other unjustly, oppress each other, look down upon each other, show haughtiness and pride. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned, then Allah brought your hearts together. And by the bounty of Allah, you became brothers one to another. This is what Allah did to those Arabs. Those divided tribes of Quraysh. Those people who would worship idols. Such as Hubal and Manat and Uzza. They would worship these idols. And they would make Tawaf naked around the Kaaba and they would fight each other and kill each other that's why Allah Allah's messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam said that Allah looked down upon the people Arab and non-Arab and he hated all of them except for a few remnants from the people of the book meaning those who were upon the deen al-Hanif those who were upon monotheism Worshipping Allah upon the religion of Ibrahim. They wouldn't know how to worship Allah. But they would still call upon him. Like Zayd bin Amr bin Nufayl. That he was one of them from the times of Jahiliyyah. And he said, bear witness, O Quraysh, that you are worshippers of idols. None of you is upon the religion of Ibrahim except for me. And that was before the sending of Allah's Messenger وسلم, as a prophet. Allah hated all of them except for a few remnants that remain upon the religion of Ibrahim, meaning worshipping Allah, even though they never knew how, because the knowledge of that had been lost. They are the most virtuous. Those Sahaba radiallahu anhum. And they are the most excellent and those who follow them. In every generation they are the virtuous and they are the excellent ones. What makes them virtuous and what makes them excellent? The fact that they call to all that is good. They call to Islam, to Tawheed, to the Sunnah, to righteous actions, to good conduct. To treating the neighbors well, feeding the poor, looking after the orphans, being good to the parents. They call to all that which is good. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded for a group from this ummah to arise with those traits.
that Allah's messenger or Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said let there arise from among you a group that calls to that which is good what is good? Islam they enjoin that which is right and they forbid that which is evil verily they are the ones who are successful so a group from this ummah arises with khair upon khair calling to good calling to Islam calling to Tawheed calling to the Sunnah what are they distinguished with? enjoying the good and forbidding the evil and that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala described them the Sahaba and those who follow their way كُنْتُمْ خَيْرَ أُمَّةٍ أُخْرِجَةٍ لِلنَّاسِ you are the best ummah that has been sent forth for mankind. You enjoin that which is good and you prohibit that which is evil. And you believe in Allah. That's what makes this ummah the best ummah. That's what made the Sahaba the best of mankind. That they would enjoy the good and they would forbid the evil and they would believe in Allah. And that is a distinguishing sign of Ahlul Sunnati wal Jama'ah. We are not the best Ummah because we ignore evil. We are not the best Ummah because we don't enjoy the good. This Ummah or that part of this Ummah that is the best are those that enjoy good and they prohibit the evil. And they believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, meaning that they establish the tawheed of Allah. They call to the aqeedah as-sahihah. They call to the correct creed and the correct belief. They study it and they know what it is. My brothers and sisters, this requires sincerity, ikhlas. It requires a person to have humility and humbleness, not arrogance and pride. The corners to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon them is to have this tawadu, just as the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, to have humility and humbleness with the people, not to look down upon them. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam when he described kibar, ghamtul nas, to look down upon the people, wabatul haq, to look down upon the people and to reject the truth. Ahlul haq, the people of truth, that they are far removed from that trait. They display humility and they are humble. How does a person love another believer except because he is humble? He sits with him, he visits him, he spends upon him. He wants for him khair. He loves for him what he loves for himself. Because none of you will truly believe up until he loves for his brother what he loves for himself. He loves for him tawheed just as he loved it for himself. He loves for him the sunnah just as he loved it for himself. He loves for him to be clothed just as he loves for himself to be clothed. And his family to be fed just as his family is fed. وَعَبَدُوا اللَّهَ وَلَا تُشْرِكُوا بِهِ شَيْئًا وَبِالْوَالِدَيْنِ إِحْسَانًا وَبِذِي الْقُرْبَةِ وَالْيَتَامَةِ وَالْمَسَاكِينَ Look at this statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Worship Allah And do not associate partners with Him in worship And be good to your parents And to your close relatives And to the orphans And to the poor this is what Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam came with. Tell me that is not humility and humbleness before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And humbleness between the believers. That's why Allah's messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said in a narration reported by Imam Muslim Inna Allah awha ilayya That indeed Allah has revealed to me and tawada'u. Indeed, Allah has revealed to me that you are to be humble up until or such that 
No one boasts over another and no one transgresses against another. This is what Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam came with. And that's why he said alayhi salatu wassalam that I have not been sent except to perfect the noble character. This aqeedah, this salafiyyah, this sunnah that we learn, this creed that we establish our religion upon should bring that humility and humbleness and kindness and generosity. That desire for the people to be upon good. Al-Hakim Rahimahullah Ta'ala reported in his mustadrak and he was authenticated by Shaykh Al-Albani Rahimahullah Ta'ala in a sahiha The Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, he said, or rather, Tariq bin Shihab, rahimahullah ta'ala, he said, that Umar ibn Khattab, radiyallahu anhu, that he left out for Sham, meaning to Syria, Jordan, Palestine, that region. So he left Medina upon that journey. And with him was Abu Ubaidah ibn al-Jarrah, the noble companion. One of those among the ten who were promised Jannah. So you have Umar promised Jannah. And you have Abu Ubaidah promised Jannah. So a group of them, they went out from Medina towards Sham. So Tariq bin Shihabi said, so we came to a lake. And Umar was on the back of his camel. So he dismounted. And he removed his leather socks, the khuffan, and he placed them upon his shoulder. Then he led his camel to the lake. So Abu Ubaidah said to him, Ya Amir al-Mu'mineen, O leader of the believers, this is what you do. You take off your socks, you let the socks and you place them upon your shoulder and you lead your own camel to go and drink? I do not think that it will be easy for me to get the people of this land to honor you. So Umar radiallahu anhu, he said, if only someone other than you, Ya Abu Ubaidah, if only if it was someone other than you, Ya Abba Ubaidah, that would have said this to me. Indeed, I have made this an example. What I am doing, I have made this an example for the Ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Indeed, we, we were a people who were disgraceful and lowly, then Allah honored us with Islam. So if we seek honor with other than Islam, then Allah will humiliate us. Honor, my brothers and sisters, is that which Allah has given us. It is not pride and arrogance and haughtiness. And putting ourselves above the people, it is about sincerity, it is about humility. And there is not a person who has this tawadu lillah, illa rafa'ahu Allah. O kama qala sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that there is not a person who humbles himself for Allah, except that Allah will raise him. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said in his dua for Umar, he said, Oh Allah, honor Islam with the Islam of two of these or one of two of these, either Umar or Abu Jahl. Allah honored Islam with Umar.
Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, he said, we have never ceased to be honored since Umar radiallahu anhu became a Muslim. This is our deen, my brothers and sisters. It is comprehensive. It covers every aspect of our lives. And that's why the Prophet sallallahu said in that hadith, that indeed I was sent not except to perfect makarim al-akhlaq, the noble manners. I was not sent except to protect or to, or to perfect the noble manners. When Aisha radiallahu anha was asked, and the hadith is in Muslim, when Aisha radiallahu anha was asked about the character of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, she, she said, فَإِنَّ خُلُقَ النَّبِيِّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ كَانَ الْقُرْآنِ Indeed, the character of the Prophet ﷺ was the Qur'an. Why? Because he lived by that which was revealed to him. He was the most humble of people. He was the most righteous of all of mankind and creation. Sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And his companions were the best of mankind after the prophets and messengers. This is the example. Our example in our conduct, in our behavior, in the way that we dress, in the way that we walk, in the way that we talk, in the way that we treat our parents, our neighbors, our friends, is the example of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Why? Because his character was the Qur'an. لَقَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي رُسُولِ اللَّهِ أُسْوَةٌ حَسَنًا And indeed in the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, you have the uswatun hasana, you have the fine example. On an occasion Allah's Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was walking and in front of him was a man from the Sahaba and his garment was falling below his ankles. So the Prophet ﷺ called out. He said, raise your garment above your ankle. So the man turned around and he saw that he was Rasulullah ﷺ. He said, Ya Rasulullah, it is only a dirty garment. It doesn't bother me. So then the Prophet ﷺ said to him, لَقَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي رُسُولِ اللَّهِ أُسْوَةٌ حَسَنًا Indeed, you have in the Messenger of Allah a fine example. So then he said, I looked up and down the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and I saw that his lower garment was in the middle of his shin. So I raised my garment. The Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is an example for us to be followed. So I say to you, my brothers and sisters, in this short piece of advice, that you will not find honor except in Islam. Allah's Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was sent rahmatan lil alameen. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala addressed him and said to him, and we have not sent you, O Muhammad, except as a mercy for all of creation. All of creation, he was a mercy sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Because he was kind, he was generous. All of the pathways to Jannah are closed except for the path of Allah's Messenger There is no way to get to paradise except by following the path of Allah's Messenger and His example. All of the pathways have been closed with the sending of Allah's Messenger and that's why He said that there is not a Jew nor a Christian nor a fire worshipper who hears of me and that which I have been sent with and then disbelieves in me, except that he will be thrown into the hellfire. There is no other path. We should be grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that Allah has shown us this path. This path of sunnah and salafiyyah. We should not be proud and arrogant and haughty. We should not look down upon the people. We should not reject the truth when it comes to us. We should pay huge effort into uniting the ranks of Ahl Sunnah. 
wherever they are. Because Izzah is for Allah. وَلِلَّهِ الْعِزَّةِ وَلِرُسُولِهِ وَلِلْمُؤْمِنِينَ وَلَكِنَّ الْمُنَافِقِينَ لَا يَعْلَمُونَ Honor and might and glory is for Allah and for His Rasul and for the believers. However, the munafiqeen, they know not. You are honor my brothers and sisters. Cling to Islam and the Sunnah. Worship Allah and do not associate partners with Him in worship. And be good to your parents. Be good to your relatives. And look after the yatim. And look after the poor. When Islam came, it changed the world. Changed it from darkness. And by the permission of Allah, the dunya was illuminated by Islam and the Sunnah. Should we not be grateful that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has guided us to this path? Should we not be humble before Him? Should we not be in a state of humility and shy before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala before we sin? Do we not know what Iman is? Do we not want to perfect our Iman and love for Allah and hate for Allah and give for Allah and without for Allah? This is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us and shown us. Look at what Umar ibn Khattab said. That we were a lowly despised people. Then Allah honored us with Islam. And whosoever seeks honor with other than Islam, then Allah will make us lowly. It is not racism, it is not tribalism. It is not through sins and misguidance and bid'ah. It is the Islam that Allah's Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam came with. Al-istislamu lillahi bit-tawheed. Wal-inqiyadu lahu bit-ta'a. Wa-bara'atu min al-shirki wa ahlihi. This is the Islam that he came with sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and this is the Islam that you have been commanded with to submit to Allah by worshipping him alone. To yield to him, be obedient to him, do what he commands, keep away from that which he has prohibited. And to abandon shirk and its people. This is the Islam that you have been called to the Islam that has been perfected upon the tongue of our Messenger وسلم, and through the revelation of the Wahyayn, the Quran and the Sunnah. So upon that, my brothers and sisters, I leave you. Jazakumullah khair for listening to this, these small words of nasiha to you. For myself and for you, Barakallahu feekum. A reminder for myself and a reminder to you about that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed us with so that we are not ungrateful and negligent and inattentive and we do not allow the shaitan to come and split our ranks. Invite your friends, invite your families, invite your relatives, invite your colleagues at work, bring them to this da'wah. Bring them to Islam and Tawheed and the Sunnah. Let them have a share of that which you have of Islam and the Sunnah. Let them have it. It is a treasure that we do not want to keep to ourselves. We want to share it with the Ummah. We want to share it with mankind. Barakallahu feekum. Wa jazakumullahu khairan. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Wa sallallahu ala nabiyyina Muhammad. Wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam.
About five minutes, four minutes. One question, maybe two, inshallah, if anyone has any. Otherwise, we'll just prepare for the salah, inshallah. No? What the? Sorry? Can you tell us something about your trip to Pakistan? My trip to Pakistan? Uh, as with any Muslim country, I've said for a few years now that it is important that the Muslims who are living in the lands of the West as minorities, even if they are sizable minorities, that they should make every effort to leave these lands and go to the lands of Islam. But the Prophet stated, that indeed Allah, that he said that indeed I am free from every Muslim who lives and establishes his home among the unbelievers. So the Muslims should pay as much effort as they possibly can with the means that Allah has given them to return to our Muslim heritage countries. And that is the majority of you sitting here today because the majority of you sitting here today, not all of you, but the vast majority of you come from Muslim heritage countries, whether it be Morocco or Egypt or Pakistan or Somalia or other than that from Muslim lands. So you should return to those lands recently and over the last several years. I have been visiting Pakistan because I know that there are Salafis and people of Sunnah that have established the da'wah in that land small pockets in various cities from them and possibly the strongest of those da'wat and those places of da'wah is Islamabad and Lahore and in Kashmir we have Dadiyal in all of these three places they are Marakis and there are other places like in Sindh or Ismanjan where there is a village that is practically all Salafi so the Salafis meaning the people of Sunnah and Hadith, that they are establishing that land. So it was a no-brainer for me that I should actually make efforts in returning myself and my family to that land. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made it easy for me. And we travelled. And now we have settled in Pakistan as a first home. Britain is our second home now. Alhamdulillah. The land itself, you know, if you see in the pictures, one thing that you have to keep away from living in these countries is the Western Eurocentric propaganda against Muslim countries. Anything that is non-Europe or non-European, because America is considered as a European nation in the sense that it's body of people that control it and run it, and are in government and so on, are from European heritage and European extracts. Same with Canada, North America in general. So the concept that the Europeans they have is that anything that is non-European, then it is backward, it is uncivilized. And therefore, when you look at how they speak about those countries, that's how they, that's the vision or the image that they put, put into your mind. 
that they are uncivilized, backward, underdeveloped, without manners, you have to watch that you don't get kidnapped and killed or raped. And this is the image that they give you of Muslim countries, where in reality the opposite is true. Crime rates in Pakistan are very small as compared to the West. Overall crime rates are negligible as compared to European countries and even more negligible as it, is, as it is compared to the US, for example, where rapes and murders are measured in minutes in Western countries, whereas in Muslim countries they are measured in months and years. Those lands are beautiful, but they are not shown in the beauty that they deserve. The only way that you're really going to see them is by visiting them. So anyone who visits Pakistan you can go and visit the underbelly of any nation. If you want to go and see the horrible parts of any country, you can go. That's why when tourists come to the UK, where do they go? They stay within that three-mile radius around Buckingham Palace. <coughs> because that is the tourist centre. Or they'll take a coach from there and drive up to Oxford and then come back again. But if they want to see the underbelly of Britain, then they can go. And they will see it. They will see 40 or 50 stabbings every weekend in London, in places like Lewisham and Brixton and Tottenham. That's the underbelly. You have areas where there is prostitution and drug use, as you would see in the US, in places in parts of Philadelphia, New York and elsewhere. But the tourists aren't shown that because they are taken to a particular area where they are going to maximize their viewing and their spending. Do these Muslim countries have a bad side to them? Yes, they do. But you have to go and look out for them. You have to search them out. And just like you would do here. But there is so much khair in the lands of Islam. For one, those lands have preserved a great amount of morality and the moral fabric of society is still intact. So fornication is frowned upon. It is prohibited in most Muslim countries still. You will not see homosexuality outwardly displayed. LGBT does not exist. In almost every Muslim country it is prohibited and forbidden and it is not seen. And he does not have access to your children. There is pride in those countries, but the pride is for Islam. So there is a general pride that they possess for their religion. Do they have deviations? Yes, they do. Which is the job of the people of Sunnah, as it was the job of the prophets. And the role of the prophets and messengers to guide them to Islam and the Sunnah and Tawheed. The environment in those countries in terms of its natural beauty is amazing. Even on the maps they show them as they show the Muslim countries as small and some of them are like four, five, ten, four, five, six, seven times the size of some European countries. But the general maps they show them as small and insignificant. They have valleys and mountains and rivers. There is business to be done in those lands. The skills that you possess, my brothers and sisters, the academic knowledge, the engineering knowledge, the various types of uloom and sciences that you have learned, go and benefit the Muslim countries with them. Take your wealth with you, take your families with you, and go and live amongst the Muslims. Your first step is to visit. Take your wife, take your children, and go on you know what they refer to as a holiday. Go on a holiday. And go to some nice places. Just like if you were to go on a holiday in Europe, you would not look for the drugs and the ghettos and where the knife stabbings take place and where the shootings take place and say we spent a nice holiday, you know, in one of the ghettos of Paris. You wouldn't do that. So why would you do that in a Muslim country? Go to a Muslim country and go to the nice cities. Go to Islamabad. Go to Lahore. Go to some of the other nice areas. Go to Hunza. And likewise in some of the other countries that you go to, 
Go to the nice area, take your children, get your wife, get your family. Allow their hearts to get attached to these countries. So yes, in Pakistan we have a da'wah. Markaz al-Darimi is established in Islamabad. There are students of knowledge there that teach. There is our brother Zubair Abbasi. There is our brother Tariq Ali Brohi. And likewise, there is our brother who has migrated from England and returned back to Pakistan. Abu Arwa, Ali, Mir. And they are giving da'wah in Islamabad. In English, in Urdu. The families who are upon Salafiyyah are growing. There is a masjid that they are building on the outskirts of Islamabad. A large masjid capacity, maybe up to a thousand. It should be ready by the, if not by Ramadan, by Eid al-Adha next year, inshallah. So the community is growing and the dawah is growing. Is it like the UK? No. Alhamdulillah, why should it be? Everywhere you go, you will see Muslims, mutahajibat, mutanaqibat, you will see niqabs and hijabs. You don't see nakedness there, not like the nakedness, you won't see miniskirts and things like that in Pakistan. It's just not their culture. So they won't wear clothes like that. They will wear other types of clothes, but they will not be wearing revealing clothes in general. They're women. And you'll see a lot of people with beards. And you'll be given salam wherever you go. Salam alaikum wa alaikum salam. You walk into a shop, salam alaikum wa alaikum salam. Jazakallah khair. Shukran. Everywhere you go, you will not sense racism. And definitely there will be no Islamophobia. Your children are protected from the ills that you see in these societies. Your children will not be exposed to homosexuality, child abuse. They won't be exposed to it. It doesn't mean it doesn't take place. But they will not be exposed to it, inshallah. Fornication, you will not be exposed to it. All of these ideas of multiple genders and gender transition, you will not notice it there and you will not see it because it is not a part of their culture. It is not a part of Islamic culture. So what I would suggest is instead of buying that new car or that new rip-off iPhone, Pay for free tickets because that's what an iPhone costs. I don't understand, you know, why a person, how a person measures value these days. You know, you just want another hole on the back of your camera. On the back there, they just want to add another hole. And then you're going to pay another £800 for that. And you fall for it. Use your wealth. Instead of that new sofa, you already got a leather sofa, you don't need another one. Get someone to clean this one. You don't need to upgrade your car. Get some ticket money together. If you're Moroccan, go to Morocco. Or even if you're Pakistani, go to Morocco, it doesn't matter. Go to a Muslim country where there is some future for you to live. And that is normally in your heritage country. If you're a Pakistani, then it'll be Pakistan. If you're a Somali, then it'll be Somalia. Same with Morocco and so on. Visit those countries, get your children. Do you want your, the hearts of your children to be attached to this type of country? You're going to risk the future of your children and their education and how they start thinking and how they start becoming indoctrinated by the values of this society because you're too afraid to go back to Pakistan. Oh, they're poor. Alhamdulillah, they're poor. Jannah is filled with poor people. Inshallah, when you go back, you won't be poor. Because you'll take the wealth that you have gathered here and go to a Muslim country. Go and spend two or three weeks there in a nice part of Islamabad. And I recommend Islamabad because that's where Salafia is strongest. Stronger than other areas. Because of the students of knowledge and because of the markets and because of the masjid. 
and the community that is there and there are several expat communities there or families there so I would suggest that you go there enjoy your life there enjoy your time there enjoy your two or three weeks there and think to yourself could I live here and the answer is yes you can whether you want to because you miss the corruption in this land and you think that you're making more money here but you're not making more money here truthfully truth be told because the amount of taxes that you pay in this country you walk home and your your spending power at the end of what you pay in your taxes is probably less than 50% because of income tax national insurance VAT on every purchase so you think you're on 100,000 but your spending your spending power is less than 50,000 after all the taxes that you pay here and that's how you have to think that the value of living in those countries is better the environment is better the religion is far better the community is better and the sun shines the climate is beautiful in Islamabad surrounded by mountains you wake up every morning you go to your roof and you see the Magla Hills and the Magla Hills are the actual foothills of the Himalayas that stretch for a thousand miles up until they reach the Karakoram and the Himalayan range where you'll find K2 K2 the second highest peak is in Pakistan it is a beautiful country as is Morocco as are many other Muslim countries but you want to live in a house with one bedroom one box room one toilet between eight of you and you think mashallah we're in khayr. that's the indoctrination generations have been brainwashed into this motherland they colonized us for nearly 400 years then they made us believe that they are the best and everyone else is inferior it took them four or five generations of migrants coming to this country before we start waving that flag as well it's time barakallahu feekum to go back your parents didn't do it your grandparents didn't do it you started you know they used to social sociologists they call it the myth of return that's why your grandparents they built houses in the village in Pakistan and then your parents kept those houses and villas in the village and you and they visited it possibly once every two years but they built these big houses because they had the myth of return they thought we're going to return but in the back of their mind they knew it was a myth we're not going back but you can make that myth a reality Many of you who come from Muslim heritage countries, you'll find that your parents have houses there, have properties there. Wallahi! And I don't say that out of some utopian, you know, thought in my mind, some sort of, you know, ideal fantasy that I have in my mind. I've seen it. Nowhere is perfect. Pakistan is not perfect. Somalia is not perfect. Morocco is not perfect. Algeria is not perfect. But they are better for, for the Muslims in these countries. And a person who can build a foundation for himself in Islamabad or in Lahore, and there are expats living in Lahore now who have left the UK and returned back. I have seen non-practicing Muslims, Pakistanis, return back to Islamabad. So you go to a, a shop and I'm talking to my son, and someone, oh, you're from uh, England. Some hardly practicing person. And I said, yeah, I'm from England. He said, oh, well, we've, we've, we've had enough of Britain. We've moved back to Pakistan. Clean shaven. I said, what brought you back? He said, because of the corruption. He sees the corruption here. He's gone back with his wife and his kids. And you look at the freedom that you have in that, in that country. Even one of the car mechanics I was talking to out there he said forgive me uh, Sheikh I, I need to tell you I believe that true azadi meaning true freedom is what we have in Pakistan because you practice your religion and no one bothers you 
Men are men and women are women. Your family is important to you. He said, is that true, Sheikh? I said, it is absolutely true. And that's the same for all Muslim countries, inshallah. Because true liberation and freedom is what you have in your soul. You are free to practice your religion. You can pray anywhere, on the street, in your house. Adhan that you hear five times a day, echoing the valleys and the streets of Islamabad. Look for a masjid of Tawheed, of course, because they do have bid'ah and shirk and so on. But the fact is, that this is what we should be aiming for. The younger you are, the better. The more financially stable you are in this country, start shifting. Look at look what happened to the pound. It's worthless. Economic power is rising in the east. I'm just speaking on an economic level and a geopolitical level. The west is in decline. Economic de decline, cultural decline, sociological decline, familial decline, families are declining, there is no family structure. Most children that are born in the US now are born out of wedlock, broken families, abortions that run into the millions in a year. This is a society that is falling apart. Economically, it's in decline. What do you make in Britain now, except chocolates? And even that's not real chocolate, it's mostly milk. What do they make here now? Everything is made in China. The East is the rising economy. So how long are you going to stay here? Economically, it's not good for you. Religiously, definitely it's not good for you. Morally, it's not good for you. It's not good for your children. What's holding you back then? Fear. Don't be afraid. Do it in stages, in steps. Take your wife, take your children, go and spend two weeks. Go back in six months, save up, save up. It's not wasted. It's not wasted. Make an umrah on the way if you want, if you've got a bit more money. Then go back in six months and spend three weeks. Have a look around. Contact the Salafis. Ask them how the property prices. What about rent? What about working remotely? What about business? How, how quickly can I make a return on any investment that I have here? You don't have to do it yourself. There are people out there who will help you. And they will aid you. And there are people of sunnah. Ready to cooperate with you upon righteousness and piety. I can't emphasize this enough for you. Are you going to wait for another generation? Look at the generation around you. Look at the Muslims that are leaving Islam. I have never known in all of my years and I'm in my 50s now how many Muslims are leaving Islam I have never seen it before it's like a hemorrhage how many youth are becoming murtaddun are becoming apostates from the religion or that they're confused about their gender Am I a man? Am I a girl? Am I a boy? What am I? Because that's what they're taught. They're confused about the topics of evolution and, and Big Bang Theory and so on. Confused about who is the creator? What did he create? You don't find that in Muslim countries. How long are you going to wait? Do you think, looking at the trajectory... Of where these societies are going. Do you think that things are going to get better or worse? They're getting worse. So my advice to you. Go. Go for two, three weeks. Make contact with the brothers in Islamabad. If, you're a if you want to go to Pakistan. And tell them that you're coming. There's a particular brother or group of brothers that will look after you and your families spend two or three weeks there forget about the village go to where the Salafis are you want to spend a day to visit your uncle and auntie go and spend a day but spend these two three weeks consolidating the love that your wife and your children will have for that land and you're not really going to find it in the village where every single day you're visiting this cousin and that relative and this mama and this judge and whatever. Forget all of that. 
go to the city and meet with the Salafis. <coughs> then go back six months later and do it again. Then go back and do it again. Up until it becomes something of a habit for you after about two years, you'll feel like that's the place I want to spend the rest of my years. Then you start shifting financially, economically, looking at renting. Rents are cheap in Muslim countries. You can rent the whole of a ground floor villa for about three to four hundred pounds a month in the, in, in, on the, in the residential areas of Islamabad. Five rooms, six, bed, six bathrooms. Each of your kids can have his own bathroom. No queuing up. Two kitchens. Most Pakistani houses have two kitchens. They call one a dirty kitchen. Because that's the one that they cook in. And the other one is just kept pristine. What are we doing here? On the 13th floor of an apartment block. With no garden. Raining every day. Birds pooing on your windows. What are you doing here? Start making those plans. You won't regret it, inshallah. Because I'm not saying just go and never come back. Go, have a look, experience. Barakallahu feekum. Wa subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika shalom. La ilaha illa anta shakhtu al-kawtubiyyak.